Oh my gosh, it's you. A pretty girl dropped to her knees in front of Franklin. She had honey-colored eyes that seemed to glow next to her dark skin and bright smile. He stared at her, his mouth opening slightly in shock. Lightning recap. In The Girl and the Machine by Beth Revis, a time-traveling young man is recruited by a girl with a time machine. You've got a little time. We've got a little podcast. This is Short Story Short Podcast. The podcast for you and only you. So don't tell any of your friends about it because you haven't been anyhow. The podcast that dares to ask the question, if a man reads a book in the woods, did he ever read it? Yeah, because I, I live in the woods and I read a story this week. Um, what story was that story? <laughs> that story was The Girl and the Machine by Beth Revis. And Girl and the Machine is one of my favorite uh, all-female Rage Against the Machine cover bands, and it's absolutely great. This is a story that does two things that I love. One, it explores the idea of the manic pixie scientist chick and then it takes a hard left turn. <laughs> oh my God, such a hard left turn. I I would admit that I was pretty damn surprised at where this went. And I think that it shows the the skill on, on Rebus's part that she's able to, to guide us through that without it being, it's jarring, but you're still able to continue flowing along. And it's a very specific type of jarring, which I love. It is the, uh, oh my God, that makes total sense sort of thing. Because in a way, this is a slice out of a story similar to Groundhog's Day. Sure, yeah. I, I can see that. Yeah. Our main character, of course, is a time traveler who has to follow the quantum leap rule. Can only go back to a time in his lifetime. And I was trying to figure out how old he was. I mean, it seems like early college-ish, like uh, maybe a sophomore. Yeah, it might be, because um, he went back to 9-11. Yes, that is true. Well, when was this published? This was published in 2015, I think so it was So, uh, let's see. So, 2001 from 15 is... Oh, this is only uh, 28 years ago, so I guess that makes sense. My math might be off. It might be slightly off. Uh, that that hurt. That hurt in my head. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the general idea is can go back through his own lifetime, and there's a charming anecdote about he broke the wheel on his remote control car, and that's what led to it. And then he was taking care of his grandma with dementia, or was it Alzheimer's? I think it's actually, they might have said both within the story, but I'm not sure because I I have like a kind of a memory of both. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, I think that we're presented with this character who isn't necessarily making the most of their time travel, isn't going back and in essence, trying to game the system. 
until we realize they've been gaming the system all along. Yeah, he seems to, I, I think it, part of this comes from the unreliable unre- narrator. Um, because while it is in third person, we're still very much um, looking at everything from his perspective. And he is our viewpoint character, but he doesn't have any awareness of how bad the things are that he's done. He's done some terrible, terrible things, but it's that thing where you're not able to really put a name on it because it would be like looking directly at it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think one of the elements that makes that work is one, he looks to us like, the nice guy and when he turns out not to be necessarily the nice guy um i hope you can hear the air quotes there um (laughs) that it it happens all of a sudden and there's something very very real about that it's everything is wonderful until the exact moment that it isn't and then it's all awful everything before is wiped out yeah and because he has this lack of self-awareness and inability to actually put names to his actions it also feels very much like we get to experience the shock of these revelations right alongside him even though he's the one that did them Mm -hmm. exactly and the beauty of that is that it makes it the reveal to us and to him at the same time makes it very much worthwhile Um, But then we get something that is a direct callback to the Matrix, (laughs) which was interesting, I think. I I have not seen the Matrix since the first movie came out, whenever that was. And I feel like that was a different century, I'm pretty sure. Um, 99, yes, it was. Yeah, so uh, I'm not catching what the Matrix reference was. Uh, The Matrix reference is that the machines were powered by the collective uh, hooking up of people. Oh, okay. All right. I see. I see it. Yeah. Um, And we're not being particularly spoilery here, though we should say this might be a time for a trigger warning. (laughs) I would uh, I would agree with that just to to take care when when reading, you know, Mm -hmm. it it came as a surprise. Um, It was. It was just a surprise. It was, but you know, that's a twist is a twist. That's right. And I think one of the things that actually worked in its favor was the way it was presented on the site that we'll have hooked linked to the show notes, um, which I will do, I promise. Uh, <laughs> is the it was separated into chunks, chapters, I believe they call them in the, the business. Um, that you got through the first three. And everything was sort of this sort of story of, well, here's this cute girl who's talking to me and she knows about my secret and she can go into the future and she has a time machine. Um, By the way, time machines would probably be the thing most likely to get me interested. If you you say, hi, I have a time machine and you bat your eyes, I probably will follow you. So, but if I say, hi, I have a pygmy goat, what happens then? Mm, goat. Okay, Sorry, what? I don't have I don't have any I don't have any goats or any animals that can be made into meat. <laughs> ducks. I like duck. 
I I said I don't. <laughs> I do, but in for you, uh, yeah, I don't. <laughs> you, you stay away from English Bob. He is the duck of death. <laughs> oh, just remember that I have a birthday coming up. Um, but I think the most <laughs> <laughs> my birthday sooner than yours what the hell <laughs> by <Agreed>. several months <laughs> i think that this story does some wonderful building of character that we then see wiped out on one case but on the other one uh her we see the broadening of the character and the treachery, but it is treachery in service of justice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, you're definitely, for sure, I hope, sympathizing more with, with Heather at the end than Franklin. You're more on her side. That's why I feel like the, the, the treachery, in addition to the reveals we get about Franklin from himself, um, mm-hmm. That's why I feel like Franklin was really the only choice for POV character here. Sometimes when you're starting something, a story, maybe you might automatically fit into a POV and then you start rethinking that later. I, I think this was the literally the only choice because if we looked at it from Heather's side, that takes away the treachery or you have to trick the reader a lot more and kind of like screw with their sense of trust. Or... You, well, you would also lose like that weirdness of the revelations that Franklin has about himself as he has them, because we would still be seeing them from Heather's eyes. So honestly, I think that this is one of those cases where the decision for a writer is easy. It's like, well, yeah, it's got to be Franklin. But at the same time, it's really difficult because I can't imagine trying to write that character. I, I don't like it personally. I mean, the experience of writing it, I, the story was good. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that a character like Franklin is, there's an element of it that is easy to write. It is this person with an extraordinary gift who seems likable in all appearances, but is actually an incredible dirtbag once you scrape even slightly below the surface. And we're given the idea that he's not necessarily repentant but he's also moved away from that yeah he's not actively going into the past and raping girls anymore oh, sorry oh god could you bleep that out <laughs> or something trying so hard not to spoil it all this time and then it just happens that's true. But you know what? Honestly, you're going to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you've read the story already, then you're going to figure it out. And if you haven't, I'm not sure why you're listening to us talk about a story you haven't read in such oblique terms. It must you be confusing. Assignment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, good point. Um, but yeah, like. OK, where were we? <laughs> I got lost. He's not actively uh, going back and raping women, but... But, you know, the fact that he can't even recognize that that's what he was doing or has such a, you know, never recognized it before, it definitely means that he's not 
she's not redeemed or reformed or whatever word you want to use for it, which is, is realistic. I mean, he's only just been able to admit sort of kind of that that's what he did to himself a little bit. And so it, it's just. We got mm. lost again. <laughs> no, you're right. You're you, you hit the nail upon a head. Um, I might go so far as to say you are correct. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, what I really like about this story is how our expectations are played with, with these two characters. And there is an amazing short film that this has a lot of resonance with, partly just because of the time travel, but partly because Heather reminds me of the main character in it. It's called, uh, now it has completely left my brain, um, Sorry About Tomorrow. And it is a short film uh, done for a 48-hour film festival. Uh, so it was made in 48 hours. That is beautifully done has a lot of similar themes but Heather definitely reminds me of the main of the secondary character in that one also told from the pov of the main character who may not be the best of people hmm. yeah it the, the playing with expectations you've got a good point there because i think so many time travel stories are kind of like imprinted on our collective consciousness i mean doctor who uh back to the future and, you know, two, three, four. Um, and I'm sure, like, I'm, in its way, you're right that Groundhog Day is kind of a time, it's a time travel film, just traveling to the same day every single day. So, like, we have these expectations, and some of that was in my head. And then you're right that there is such a, a subversion of our expectations about halfway through when we realize what Franklin is, that, oh, the person with the gift is not actually the hero. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think that is, it takes a deft hand to make that work. And I think here, no question, absolutely works. And it's a, it's a longer story than we usually tackle. It's about 7,000 words, I think. But it went faster than most of our stories. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Um, it's as if, you could move through time. If only. Do you know how many people are on my list of people that go smack in the face if I ever get to go back in time? No, how many? Uh, 643. It's going to be a long trip. Just saying. Yeah. I, the only thing I'm doing is going back and finding out who killed John Bonet. And I'm fairly certain I'll recognize it was suicide. Uh, it's going to be a dark day. It's possibly the most bizarre thing I've ever heard. And I've, I've, and I'm from Pennsylvania. Puck <laughs> <laughs> oh, wedgies. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this one is a story that is definitely going to stick with me, uh, particularly the ending where I think really it is a, not only a powerful ending, but it's a smart ending. I would say powerful, smart, and em empowering. Just at, you know, reading this from the, the the female perspective or whatever you want to call it, definitely gives you a, a little bit of a, yeah, that little rush of empowerment at the end. And mm -hmm. I appreciate that very much. We all need that more and more every day. Every day. Or at least today. And then the day after that and the day after that. That's still today. Et cetera. <laughs> Et cetera. <laughs> Etc. Got, any <laughs> Got anything else on that one? 
No, just that I'm now going to start using etc. as sort of an interjection. <laughs> but really just apropos of nothing. <laughs> Excellent. Hey, Christy. Etc. Fair enough. What should we read next time? We should read Earthquake Damage by Alice Adams, uh, published in The New Yorker. Ah, uh, yes, that rag. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I think until next time, this has been Short Story. Short Podcast. <laughs> Etc. <cetera. laughs>